Hello and welcome to the Adventures of Paul Temple from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. We present Peter Cook and Marjorie Westbury in Paul Temple and the Spencer Affair, a radio serial by Francis Durbridge. The final episode, A Party of Four. Is that you, Reno? Yes. Who is that? You got the telegram? Yes, yes, I got the telegram, but uh, who is that? Who is it speaking? Don't you recognize my voice? Oh, yes. Yes, of course. I'm sorry. What is it you want, Dreiser? Ignore the telegram. It's not important. Continue as arranged. But if it's not important, Listen, why Reno, are you... Do you want me to explain on the telephone? No, no, no. Of course not. Then but don't be uh... stupid. There's nothing to worry about. The arrangements stand. All right, Dreiser. You know what to do and where to go? Yes, of course. I'll see you later. Very well. Here's Richie. What happened? He looks as if he's fallen for it. He's collecting his baggage. Good man. I'll see you later, Sir Graham. Don't lose him, Richie. I'll try not to. I'll contact Fosper immediately if there's any news. Right. Good heavens, is that ten o'clock? Yes. It's curious we haven't heard anything about Reno. I don't like it. He's either given Richie the slip or he's contacted Dreisler. Well, it's a chance we had to take. You mean Reno may have telephoned Dreisler and found out about the phone call? It's beginning to look like it. It's over ten hours since he left London Airport with Richie on his tail. But how can Dreisler be mixed up in it? After all, it was his uh, door. Wait a minute. I'll see if Mr. Temple's in, sir. Of course he's in. Sir Graham's with him. Oh, come in, Vosper. Have you heard from Richie? Yes, I had a phone call at six o'clock, Sir Graham. Six o'clock? Then why on earth haven't you been in touch with us? Because I've been waiting for another call, sir. What's happened, Bosper? Well, apparently Reno went to a hotel in Bloomsbury and stayed there until four o'clock when a car picked him up. Who was driving the car? According to Richie, the driver wore glasses and a scarf. Mm. It might have been anyone. Go on, Bosper. Richie stayed on their tail as far as Chingford Green. Mm -hmm. Then the car pulled into a garage for petrol. Richie happened to be near a phone box, and he phoned me. That was at six o'clock? Yes. He said it looked as if they were heading for Epping Forest, and said he'd telephone later. I've been waiting for the call. Did Richie say anything else? No, sir. But uh, he didn't sound too happy about things. I got the impression he was rather worried. What do you make of it, Temple? Well, it looks to me as if Richie has suspected a trap. If oh, he did... th that's probably for me. May I take it? Yes, of course. Please do. Go ahead. Hello? Inspector Vosper? Yes? This is Rice, sir. Yes, Sergeant. Have you got the information? Yes, sir. He made two telephone calls. One at 2.15 and the other at a quarter to four. They were both to the same number. What was the number? Regent 5011. Thank you, Rice. Goodbye. Well? I've been checking the telephone calls at the hotel. Reno made two. Both to Regent 5011. That's the Stardust Club. Yes. Look, Vosper. I think under the circumstances, the thing to do is to contact the special branch. Tell them that Richie was... This telegram's just arrived, Mr. Temple. Oh, thank you. 
you. What is it, Temple? What does it say? This was handed in at Fornwood Common. It says, in case you're interested, you'll find your friend at Bellwood Heath, Spencer. Where's Bellwood Heath? It's in Essex, near Epping Forest. Charlie, get the car around straight away. Put me through to Bellwood Heath Police Station, please. Bellwood 8-1. It's urgent. Bellwood Heath Police Station? Sergeant, this is Baker. I'm in the call box on the corner of Cragwell Lane. There's been an accident. Okay, let's have it. There's a car in Turner's Field. It's blazing like fury. And there's a man in the driving seat, but I can't get at the poor devil. Okay, Baker, I'll get someone down there immediately. They've got him out of the car now, sir. Did you recognize him? Yes, just. Is it Richie? Yes, it's Richie, all right. Come on, Temple. We'd better take a look at him. I'm going now, Steve. Going where? Out, darling. It's nearly lunchtime. <laughs> That's why I'm going out. I've got a lunch appointment. Well, you never told me. I'm lunching with Adrian Frost. Oh, yes, of course. I forgot about that. Well, I hope Mr. Frost hasn't forgotten. Take care, Paul. Well, I'm only going out to lunch, Steve. I'll be back this afternoon. Yes, I know, but I'm worried about this business, about the Spencer affair. Yes, I know you are, dear. But don't worry, Steve. It'll, it'll soon be over. You know who it is, don't you? Yes, I know. Last night after you went out, I made a list of all the possible suspects. Whatever made you do that? I thought it might help me to to think clearer if I put things down in black and white. I put six names down on a piece of paper. Six names? Well, who were they? Well, Rupert Dreisler, Mm -hmm. Terry Gibson, Mm -hmm. Adrian Frost, Mm -hmm. Pete Roberts, Eric Lansdale and Clutch Brompton. I see. Well, you can forget Clutch Brompton. Paul, who is Spencer? I'll tell you tonight, dear. Is that a promise? Mm -hmm. Now, listen, Steve. Don't leave the flat. It doesn't matter who telephones or what happens. Don't leave it. I'll see you later, darling. Goodbye, darling. Hello, Temple. Good Lord, is it one o'clock? Yes, I'm afraid it is. I'm sorry, I had no idea it was so late. I was typing. Oh, that's all right. Uh, Would you care for a glass of sherry? Oh, I don't think so, thank you. What are you writing? A play? Well, I'm trying to. Oh, of course, you write novels and things, don't you? Mostly novels. Oh, I didn't mean... (laughs) That's all right. As a writer myself, I know how irritating it is to be interrupted, so if you don't feel like having lunch... Oh, not at all. I'm looking forward to it. It's very nice of you to ask me. Well, I thought it would be a good opportunity to have a talk. What about? Well, for one thing, I thought you might be interested to hear about Renner. Renner? Yes, André Renner. He owns a nightclub in Paris. Oh, yes, yes, I remember. You spoke to me about him once before. He arrived in London yesterday. A man called Ritchie, a Scotland Yard official, was told to follow him. Unfortunately, Ritchie made a mistake. He was murdered. 
By Reno? Reno and a gentleman called Spencer. Oh. What happened exactly? They knocked him out, put him in a car and set fire to it. Uh, charming. Does Reno work for Spencer? He does. I see. Frost, I hope you won't think me presumptuous, but I'd like to give you a bit of advice. I'm not very good at taking advice, even from friends. Well, it's the first time for everything. Look, Temple, what is it you want? Why did you really come here today? You want to know? Well, of course I want to know. Right, I'll tell you. But first of all, tell me something. Well? Why are you going to America? Going to America? Yes, you made a reservation on Thursday. My agents got me that Hollywood contract. I shall be there until November. Well, I didn't want to say anything about it because I haven't got my visa yet. I see. You appear to be very well informed. I wouldn't dream of giving you advice if I wasn't well informed. Now sit down and listen to me. Finished with the coffee, Mrs. Temple? Yes, thank you, Charlie. You can take the tray. I'll see you, that is. Yes, sir. Are you expecting anyone? Well, Sir Graham said he might drop in. Well, I hope it isn't Sir Graham or the inspector. Why? Well, because I want to talk to you. You remember what you promised? Mm -hmm. You said you'd tell me... Oh. Yes, Charlie? It's, um... It's Mr. Dreisler. He said he'd like to see Mr. Temple, if it's convenient. And I said I wasn't sure if you were in or not, sir. Yes, all right, Charlie. Ask him in. Yes, sir. What on earth does Dreisler want? I'll lay six to four. He wants to talk to me about Pete Roberts. What makes you think that? Oh, I don't know. It's just a feeling I've got, a sort of intuition. That's my department. <laughs> Mr. Dreisler, sir. Oh, good evening. I should have telephoned you, but... Uh... Ah, good evening, Mrs. Temple. We meet again. We do. Good evening, Mr. Dreisler. Uh, may I offer you a drink? Uh, no, no, that's very kind of you, but if you don't mind... Uh... Well, what can I do for you? Um, I've decided to go away, to leave England for a little while... I thought, under the circumstances, I had better tell you this. But only the other day you told me you had no intention of leaving. Yes, yes, I know, but, um... Well, it's no use my staying here. I get depressed, and I'm neglecting my business. Also, I hope you'll forgive me for saying this, but, um... I don't think either you or Scotland Yard are making much headway. I don't think you'll ever discover who murdered my daughter. It's a difficult case, Charlie. Yes, 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 of course, I'm sure it is. But, oh, please, please don't think I'm criticising... That's the last thing I should wish to do. When are you going away? I'm sailing to New York on Thursday. Oh. Alone? No. No, I'm taking Pete Roberts with me. Pete Roberts? Yes. An American friend of mine is producing a new musical, and his leading man has been taken ill. I've persuaded Roberts to give an audition. Do you think Pete is good enough for Broadway? Yes, yes, I do. I think he could be a big star, a really big star. If only he keeps off the drink. Well, I think you'll be lucky. I have a shrewd suspicion he'll keep off the drink, all right? Oh. Well, I hope you're right. I sincerely hope so. But what makes you so optimistic, Temple? The way he shaves. The way he shaves? Yes. <laughs> Forgive me, but I don't understand. Do you understand what your husband means, Mrs. Temple? No, I'm afraid I don't. Is it a... Joke, perhaps? Yes. Yes, it's just a little joke. <laughs> well, thank you for calling. I hope you'll have a pleasant trip to the States. Yeah, thank you. If you want to get in touch with me, I should be at the Waldorf Astoria. You might tell Scotland Yard that. I will indeed. Goodbye, Mrs. Temple. Goodbye, Mr. Dreisler. I'll see you out. Thank you. 
Hello. Mrs. Temple? Yes? Uh, this is Inspector Vosper. Could I speak to your husband? Yes, just a moment, Inspector. Oh, is that for me? It's Vosper. Oh. He sounds very pleased with himself. Thank you. Hello, Vosper. Temple? Yes? I've got some good news for you. We've picked up Renault. Oh, good. What happened? The uh, Harwich people picked him up this morning. He was trying to get through to Amsterdam. Ah, has he talked? Not yet, but we're not worried. Ah. I've got some news for you, too, Inspector. Rupert Dreisler is leaving for America. He sails on Thursday. Yes, I know. Suite 23, A-deck. Oh. And Pete Roberts? Cabin 27. And Adrian Frost? Did you know about Adrian Frost? Yes, indeed. Cabin 19, B-deck. <laughs> quite a party, Inspector. As you say, quite a party. Well, I'll keep in touch. Thank you, Vosper. Oh, uh, by the way, Miss mm -hmm. Gibson's in Suite 38, in case you're interested. I'm interested. Good night, Inspector. <laughs> Good night. Good evening. Are we going to have a smooth crossing? Well, I hope so, sir. What can I get you, gentlemen? Uh, what would you like, Pete? A whiskey and soda. Well, that's two whiskeys and soda, please. Thank you, sir. What time do we sail? Oh, we should be away by 11 tomorrow morning. Do most passengers come on board the night before? Most of the first-class passengers, sir. Oh, good evening, madam. Good evening. What can I get you? Nothing, thank you. Hello, Terry. I want to talk to you, both of you. Come over to the table near the window. What's the matter, Terry? You look as if you've seen a ghost. I have. What do you mean? Temple's on board. Temple? Well, that's nonsense. It isn't nonsense. I've seen him. But why should Temple be on board? He's not going to America. How do you know he's not going to America? Because Where do you see him? On deck? Good evening. May I join you? Frost, what are you doing on board? I came to see you, Dreisler. And Mr. Roberts. And, of course, my old friend, Terry Gibson. Look, what is this? What are you doing here? Well... The natural assumption is that I'm going to America. Look, Frost, I don't know what it is all about. But yes, Temple. Don't you know what it's all about, Mr. Dreisler? No, don't get up, Miss Gibson, please. Sit down, Roberts. May I introduce Sir Graham Forbes? Sir Graham Forbes? Yes, of Scotland Yard. Dreisler, several days ago you sent for me and asked me to find out who murdered your daughter. Yes. Why did you do that? What do you mean, why did he do it? He's the girl's father. Isn't it natural that he should want Dreisler to Dreisler already knew the answer to the question, Pete. He knew the name of the murderer. He knew why his daughter was murdered. That is not true. I think it is true, Dysler. Mr. Temple, don't you think you'd better begin at the beginning and tell us what you know about this affair? He doesn't know anything. He's bluffing. Be quiet, Pete. You say I knew the name of the murderer? Yes. And why did I send for you? Why didn't I just go to the police? Because you thought that by sending for Temple you were covering up. You wanted to give the impression... Of the distraught father, clutching at every straw, determined on revenge. Look, Frost, just what are you doing here? How do you fit into all this? Shall I tell him, Temple? Yes. Go on, Frost, tell him. I fell in love with your daughter, Dreisler, and I was under the impression that her sole ambition was to become an actress. But I soon discovered that this wasn't so. I found out that she was a member of a gang who smuggled stolen property from the continent. Well, what I begged not? Mary to give it up, and she promised me that she would. Well, last October, she went to Paris to tell her father here, or so I thought, 
that she intended to break away from him. When she returned, she told me that she had done this, and I was so delighted that I gave her a diamond brooch. But as Mr. Temple has since pointed out, I was under a misapprehension. Mary hadn't the slightest intention of breaking away from the organization. On the contrary, she had another and far more lucrative proposition in mind. What the devil are you talking about? Mary Dreisler knew the identity of every member of the gang. Encouraged by a certain Peter Wallace, who was a professional blackmailer, she made a gramophone record. The record was indeed just that. What do you mean, just that? It was actually a record of the activities of the organization. Names, identities, secret routes from the continent. I don't believe a word of all this. You know it's true, Dreisler. The head of the outfit was a fence who called himself Spencer. He heard about the record and thought that Mary Dreisler was completely responsible for it. So he murdered her and took what he believed to be the incriminating record. But Wallace was a jump ahead. He'd already spread the rumour that the vital record was called My Heart and Harry, and he'd planted a record with that label on it in Mary Dreisler's flat. And are you trying to tell us that Peter Wallace had the real record, the one that Mary Dreisler made? Of course he had. He persuaded her to make the record in the first place. You don't think that once she'd made it, he was going to let it slip through his fingers? When Spencer discovered that he'd got the wrong record... He realised that not only was he up against one of his own gang, but he was also up against an outsider, a professional blackmailer. And does the record still exist? I doubt it, since Peter Wallace was murdered. But an excellent copy of it exists, Mr Roberts. What do you mean, a copy? Records can be copied, you know. Indeed, three days ago, I broke into Wallace's flat, and with the aid of an excellent tape recorder... You're, you're bluffing. I know you're bluffing, because it was, it was me who broke into... It was you that what, Pete? Or should I say, Spencer? Temple, look out! Don't get fooled, Pete, or you'll never get away with this. All right, you won't get foul hospers outside. The inspector's been hit, sir. Come on, Temple. Vosper, you all right? Yes, it's only my arm. Get a doctor straight away, Sergeant. Which way did he go? He went through the door on the right, sir. He's making for the deck. Come on, Sir Graham. Which deck would you like to... <gasps> Close the door. Close it. This revolver isn't a toy and this isn't a gag. No, sir. Take me to the top deck. Quickly. Y yes, sir. Well, close the door. Well, Sergeant. We've been all over, sir. There's no sign of him. Look, Sergeant, he's on this boat somewhere. Any news, Harris? No, I'm sorry, sir. There's only the swimming pool and the gymnasium left. Well, get somebody down there immediately. Well, there's Morgan, sir. He's just come out of the gym. Any luck? No, the place is deserted. He's not down there. What about the pool? No, we've been to the pool. There he is, sir. Where? On the top deck. Mr. Temple's after him. Get up there, Smith, straight away. Temple's caught him, sir. He's got it. Uh, drop the gun. Drop the gun, Pete. Uh, Temple, I, I warn you. If you don't leave, go on. Go on, drop it. Uh, you're not going to stop me, Temple. Huh? If it's the last thing I do... Temple's got him. I think Temple's got the other hand. I'm not so sure. Right. He's breaking away. He's going for the side. He's going to jump for it. No, it's all right. Temple's got him. They'll both go over the side if they're not careful. Temple, look out. Temple, for heaven's sake, watch yourself. They're Temple. both falling.
hold of his hand, Mr. Tepper. Okay, that's it. Yeah, give us a pull, Radley. Yeah, right. Steady now. That's it. But you're right, sir. Yes. That's better. We picked up the other man, sir. You have? Well, where is he? He's down below. That's all right, Mr. Temple. The police have got him. Oh, well. Do you think I get out of these clothes? Yeah. Come along, sir. Make some sandwiches. Yes, and have another drink, Sir Graham. No, thank you both very much. Uh, I must be making a move. I promised to drop in on Vosper. How is he? Oh, he's going along nicely, thank you, Steve. It's nothing serious. You know, the thing I don't understand... <laughs> Here, Here we, we go. go. No, no, seriously, Paul. Yes, Steve? Why did Peter Wallace throw suspicion onto Adrian Frost? Frost wasn't a member of the gang. Wouldn't it have been much better from Wallace's point of view if he'd picked on one of them, say, Dreisler or, or Terry Gibson? No, although he wasn't a member, he didn't want us to suspect the gang. You see, Wallace had the record and was proposing to blackmail them. It was virtually to his advantage that we shouldn't solve the murder. Yes, I see that, but surely Frost was implicated. After all, he went to the Bronze Heart. Yes, he went there because he was curious about Pete Roberts. But Why? He suspected that Pete was the leader of the gang and decided to investigate. Mm -hmm. I became worried about this because I knew what would happen if he became too deeply involved. That's why I saw Frost and had a serious talk with him, and I persuaded him to tell everything he knew. Mm -hmm. I'd already warned him about Wallace. Wallace knew so much about Frost, I felt sure that he had access to his diary. But what about the record? Pete Roberts deliberately drew your attention mm. to it. I mean, he actually told you that he'd made a recording of it. For a particular reason. What? He knew we'd heard about the record, and he was determined that we should think that it was simply a song. The last thing he wanted was us to suspect that the record contained vital information about the gang. In short, a deliberate mystery was created about My Heart and Harry in order to stop us from realising what was actually on the record. Yes. Incidentally, what happened to the record? Was that the genuine record that Vosper saw, the one that disappeared from Mary Dreisler's flat? No, Wallace had the original record, but he'd planted a dummy in the flat. A recording of Oklahoma with a label, My Heart and Harry. Oh, dear, this is so complicated. <laughs> when Pete realised it wasn't the genuine record, he sent it back with the note, adored every minute of it, love, Spencer. Yes, I know, but why should he do that? What was your impression when you heard about the note, Steve, eh? Well, I mean, it just sounded as though someone called Spencer had borrowed a record and was returning it. Exactly. And that was our impression. In fact, we shouldn't have given it another thought if it hadn't been for Clutch Brumpton. Yes, but it was after that that the record disappeared. Yes, and that's how Judy Milton comes into the story. Judy was a friend of Mary Dreisler's and she knew about the record. In fact, she came to the conclusion that Mary had been murdered because of it. Mm -hmm. So one day she went to the flat, secured the record... Ah, yes, but which one? The Oklahoma one, uh -huh. and took it away with her. She decided to take it to Terry Gibson because she thought Terry was a good friend of Mary's and would advise her what to do. When she arrived at the club, she overheard a conversation between Terry and Pete Roberts, became suspicious, and left the record in the ladies' cloakroom. The next day she got in touch with your husband. Yes, but why did Judy Milton write you the letter when she'd arranged to see you? Because oh, she was frightened I wouldn't keep the appointment, or that something might happen to her before we had a chance to talk. Which indeed it did. And was it Pete Roberts who murdered Judy Milton? Yes. 
And the night we came back from the Stardust Club, you know, they smashed our radio, Graham. Mm, because Roberts thought Judy Milton had got hold of the real record, and obviously he didn't want us to play it. Mm. And another thing. Mm? Pete. Pete Roberts. Now, you told him that he was likely to be murdered. Why? I overheard Terry Gibson talking on the telephone about Pete. Mm -hmm. Now, I was pretty sure they were talking about Pete Wallace, but I wanted to cover up that I knew, so I deliberately told Roberts about the conversation. Oh. I gave him the impression that I thought he was the person that was likely to be murdered. Oh, clever, to put him off the set. Mm -hmm. I then asked Vosper to check all phone calls to the Stardust Club. And that confirmed your suspicions it was Pete Roberts that Terry had been talking to. I see. Well, you know, Roberts must have been a clever man. He was. He was indeed. But there was just that kink, I suppose. He was certainly a good singer and a pretty good actor, too, if it comes to that. Oh, a good impersonator, yes, but not a good actor, Sir Graham. <laughs> he never really convinced me that he was a dipsomaniac. Oh, yes, that's because you saw him shaving. Oh, now, what on earth has that got to do with it? His hand was as steady as a rock. <laughs> You've been listening to the final episode of Paul Temple and the Spencer Affair. The part of Paul Temple... This place is wired. There's a microphone behind the radiator. Somebody's been listening to every word. ...was played by Peter Cook. Steve, his wife... I would loathe the kipper, Charlie. I never want to see another fish as long as I live. ...was played by Marjorie Westbury. Sir Graham Forbes... Well, they have a very good lounge at London Airport. There's no reason why we shouldn't be sitting there. ...played by Lester Muddit. Adrian Frost. As Mr. Temple has since pointed out, I was under a misapprehension. Was played by Simon Lack. Terry Gibson. I don't believe Pete's mixed up in anything, but it's not what I think, it's what the police think. Was played by Isabel Dean. Rupert Dreisler. Yes, Salzburg is a lovely city, Mrs. Temple. It's a pity I can't spend more time there. By Brewster Mason. Inspector Vosper. You found Judy Milton dead with the revolver in her hand. Naturally, you thought the shot you'd heard had killed her. By Hugh Manning. Charlie? Well, well, those two chaps, they knocked me out and they dumped me here in the kitchen. Was played by James Beatty. Peter Wallace? I think Adrian Frost had some kind of influence, an evil influence over Mary. By Frank Partington. And Pete Roberts, alias Spencer? They all wanted to make a star out of me. It was no use. Just drink, 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 that's all I wanted to do. Was played by Thomas Hethcote. Production for the BBC was by Martin C. Webster. <laughs>